Why? Uh, why you got to point it down like that? Because I'm I'm sitting I'm in a low chair on a high desk. All right. So I think uh, I'm just gonna stick with that. Is that and as low uh, as the uh, stand goes? Yeah. Okay. All right. No, you... Okay. Do it. All right. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, uh, Pierre. How are we doing today? Doing fine. Like I, I, uh, I spit up the intro while you're mid-drink. That's all right. Sorry Just, about uh, that. It's uh, dry out here. Uh, I'm up in my I'm up in my bedroom in my in my official office, and it's a little dry up here. Uh, we got a little bit of snow last night, B boy. Uh, almost ten centimeters. We are uh, minus uh, uh, minus twenty four tomorrow morning. So I've got the heater, the base heaters on, and it's making my apartment kind of dry. That's uh, winter. Yeah, we got a humidifier for our place uh, a couple of years ago or last year maybe because. Uh, I don't know, everything was creaking and cracking and your skin is dry and it's, uh, your nose is dry all the time. It's just really it dry in the wintertime. Yeah, it did. Definitely did. Hey, interesting. Maybe something, to, I, uh, something to think about. Something to think about. Yeah, okay. Speaking of something to think about, we got a lot to think about today. We, uh, there's some interesting... Uh, oh, well, you've got some bulletin board material to talk about first, but we've got a lot <laughs> of stuff to talk about today. Uh some hot button topics that we'll get to uh, in a few minutes, but uh, why don't we get this show rolling, Brock? It's a, a cold Tuesday night, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, I see your bulletin board right here. Why don't you give us a get get us started, B boy? All right. Well, hey, it's a bulletin bulletin board time. Bulletin board material. Like it. That's the. Like uh, it. I don't know. I was trying to think of something. Um, all right, so uh, first things first is the shirts have been completed, paid for. They will be shipped. I should get those shortly. So shout out to our buddy Natter for uh, hooking us up with those shirts and a, and a pretty good deal on getting them out there. Uh, also, a uh, huge congratulations to Natter as well for becoming a father in the last uh, week. Yeah, he had a baby girl. Oh, come on. Hey, congratulations, Natter. That's why he wasn't at your birthday thing. I had no idea. Yeah, he's a father now. He's got responsibilities. That's amazing. Congratulations, big dog. Yeah, so huge shout out there. Um, what else I got on the bulletin board material? Um, the interprovincial football, amateur football uh tournament i guess if you would say was held this weekend at the td place in ottawa and uh it was a last second invite but they tried to get us out there to do a podcast from td place during those games which would have been awesome um shout out to uh, gowan harding who's uh, um uh, very involved with the uh, the gatineau vikings uh club team also within the board of the ncaf itself and uh jesse card who is the uh, owner-operator of HESN, who actually uh, did all the video for the tournament and streamed it live on Facebook for everybody to see, which was great. Um, real quick shout-out to the 
winners and well and losers, but you were there and you uh, you obviously won your division. But the Mosquitoes, um, the Canada Mosquito team, won forty to six over LaSalle. The Pee Wees, we had a, a team from Ottawa, Myers Riders were representing in the Pee Wees. They lost forty six to twenty to a team from Saint Laurent. The Bantam team, a little bit older again, versus a Myers team. Myers lost again, twenty-one to six to Saint Hubert, not the restaurant. And the midget <laughs> team, the midget group was actually two teams from Ottawa. It was the Ottawa West Knights and the Orleans Raftsmen. And the Ottawa West Knights won twenty-eight to fourteen over the Raftsmen. So some really good football. I'm. Uh, a little disappointed we didn't get out to do that, and I think next year we'll definitely uh, make a point of getting up one of those boxes, interview a few players, coaches. We've got some real quality guys uh, within this uh, football community that um, you know, doing an episode on that would have been a lot of fun. You know what? I, uh, I thought about that the other day, and I, it, would have been, it would have been a lot of fun. I think just from my experience uh, being involved in some things like this in the past is that it, it was a little short notice, and... Um, we want to do things right and we want to get, you know, the, the right yep. names and the right teams and know who's playing. So, you know, I would love to be part of it next year. Maybe we'll catch a few games prior to the, the, the conference semis or whatever, however they work their playoff system so we can uh, get a chance to see some of these guys. But congratulations to all those teams that you mentioned. And uh, uh, by the same token, I want to mention uh, the uh, on the Quebec side, the Philman Wright Falcons uh, are the RSEQ uh, football champions. <laughs> They beat Mobleu. Yeah, Brock, right I'm on. sure you have a sweet spot for them since you are a Philman Wright alumni. I am. Um, from what I understand, their starting QB, who uh, who took pretty much every snap this year, uh, hurt his ankle in, I think he was doing um, co-ed sports at lunch hour and hurt his ankle the, the night before the game or the day Ooh. before the, the big game. So... Uh, whoever came in from what I get, from what I got, uh, the information I gathered did a great job, and Philman Wright still pulled it off. So, congratulations, congratulations, Philman Wright Falcons, home of yeah. Chris Flynn, one of the most infamous, or not infamous, one of the most famous Canadian university football players of all time, the only three-time Heck Crichton winner, and his number has recently been retired by the St. Mary's Huskies. Okay, Chris Flynn, the, the, a few minutes after the Falcons won the, the, the championship this weekend, his Buckingham League, that hybrid tackle-touch football league, right. his team won it again. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, he's Chris How Flynn. many years in a row? You ever play in that league? Yeah, wait, uh, I played three years in that league. My last year, we went undefeated, uh, but... You know, that was the last time I played. It was just, you know, getting out there on Saturdays is, a, is not the not Is the it called, like, the Dome or Thunderdome or something? What's that, sorry? Isn't it called, like, the Thunderdome or Dome or... No? <clears throat> no, that was basketball. That yeah. was when we, when we played basketball on Wednesday it's nights. some hybrid league, though, so there is linemen. There's O-linemen and D-linemen, and it's, uh, like, full contact on the line, and then it's touch football for the rest of it. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's awesome. Uh, you, you don't sack the QB, you touch him, but like everything, the live on the line. But the linemen can still catch. The linemen go out can uh, can go out and run patterns. So there's a lot of uh, there's a little bit more strategy involved than just firing off six guys and playing flag football, which I find really hard to do because, especially if you're the QB, how do you how do you make everybody happy? Everyone's running routes, and you know 
it's hard to get the ball six times out. I mean, it's usually six or seven plays and you're in the end zone. So anyway, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that league a lot. That's a question for Scott, who played quarterback for our Touch Football League and trying to keep everybody happy was not there because every single time I came back to the huddle, I said, Scott, just throw me the fucking ball. I'm open. And he's like, but there's a guy covering you. I'm open. <laughs> he'd be like, well, everybody else paid too. Just throw me the damn ball. Anyway. I'll never forget the one tournament we played, Brock, there, and uh, Scott <laughs> was QB, and he's good QB. Scott, oh, yeah. you're a good QB, pal. I just, the whole armband with all the plays and the <laughs> and the audibling at the line, and the, oh, you know, the kill, 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 kill. kill. <laughs> Jeez. I take this anyway. seriously. He's intense. He's intense. I love you, love you, Scotty. All right. Uh, what else do I have on the bulletin board? Am I on number two? I am. So there was a birthday not long ago. Please give him a big, big hand and let's all sing happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Big happy birthday wow. to our very own Pep, who turned 43 last week. Uh, we didn't uh, give you a shout on the last show. It was too early, so I had Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> sing it for you. Um, but, wow. uh, you know, happy birthday. <laughs> I know you had a big thing on Saturday, and uh, uh, hopefully your Sunday wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, pal. It was actually pretty, uh, everything was pretty cool. Uh, and I appreciate you coming out. You were out in Colgate all day watching uh, one of your recruits play. Um, and, uh, you, you know, your family and you, you drove back and you still had time and energy to uh, come out and have a pint. So thanks a lot, pal. Hey, anytime. Really I really appreciate make sure it. I thanks everybody. Up. Yeah. I don't know if it was for you or for the hot dogs at the Carlton. Who ordered the four hot dogs near the end there? Was that you? Yeah, it was me. I had one. Yeah. I remember that. It was delicious. <laughs> I had a hot dog there last delicious. Your last birthday was where we were there, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And they had sauerkraut on it, which I don't usually eat, but it was delicious. It was delicious. And uh, I, t- I told uh, Ferreira, he was there. I said, oh, you want a hot dog? He said, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll have one. I'll have one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then like an hour later, we're like, where are the hot dogs? And I went up to her. I said, hey, I'm gonna, uh, I'll pay for my, my beer. And I said, are those hot dogs coming? She's like, did you order hot dogs? Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. And then you looked at me square in the face and said, would you like them all dressed? And I said, yes. And then you walked away. So don't look at me like you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, I'm like, and just charge me for the beers that I ordered, not everybody else's. Anyway, the Carlton Tavern is a funny place. Be very uh, aware of what you're ordering because uh, what you're paying for could very well be different. Anyway, it's that not, was a great it's an time. It's interesting place. Yeah. Uh, for some of the Hetherington brothers, maybe not uh, anything that's memorable, but... Uh, it was a good, it was a good group there. A lot of good laughs. So, uh, I'm glad I was able to make it out. All right. The last mm, thing on my bulletin board material is, uh, um, we got a voicemail. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. No. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. So, uh, yeah, this is the voicemail we got. It's in reference to, remember uh, when we were doing the show at Curtis's house? So I'm just going to refresh your memory. So it makes sense when uh, the voicemail comes on. Uh, In that episode, we talked about a couple of things, one of them being the Washington Huskies and that uh, kickoff 
uh, unsportsmanlike conduct call for the player lying down in the end zone being deceitful. And the other thing that we talked a lot about was uh, simple potato chips. Okay. Well, this is Mike. No, that's the Belarus guy. Ugh. <laughs> Hi, fellas. Sorry about that. I was just eating some uh, simple chips. <laughs> um, I wanted to weigh in about the uh, the penalty, the 15-yard penalty uh, that resulted in the, the 15 yards off the kickoff and a re-kick. Uh, to me, that is idiotic. Uh, the whole, not the whole point of sports, but a majority of the point of sports is, decept- is to deceive your opponent. Uh, you know, they could also throw a flag uh, because I noticed that Washington um, kept meeting secretively. You know, they, they'd, they'd sort of all gather together before they ran an offensive play. Uh, they'd huddle up together and then uh, discuss what they were going to do. It, it's stupid. Uh, if you don't like something, if someone's doing something that you think is wrong, you have to put it in the rules. That's it. Peace out. Later. All right, so that's our first voice message. Obviously, uh, when he's talking about the deceitfulness of the huddling up, that's uh, pertaining to the actual huddle, so I think he's being a little sarcastic there, but I can appreciate it. You know, we talked about the level of deceit, uh, deceitfulness and what is deceitful and what's not, and, uh, you know, I get his point. The whole aspect of sports, and especially in a football, is to disguise what you're doing, to make plays look similar to one another so that the defense can't react doesn't know what's coming yeah anyway so those are and then obviously you know shout out to simple chips obviously our uh our plugging of the chips has uh worked on one person he's already eaten the the simple chips so um i don't know how many more times i can say simple chips before we get a a deal out of it so anyway that's uh, simple if they're listening if you're listening simple chips simple is it is it simple or just simple is it simple chips or simple i need to know um, so we can plug you further and eat you further. Um. <laughs> well, that'll be a soundbite in itself. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll have to get Curtis to call in and tell us where he gets those chips. They're no name, simple chips. Delicious. All right. I think that is uh, that's it for the bulletin board material. Um, you know, obviously, this is the voicemail. So if those who want to be involved in the show and want to get your two cents in, uh, who are participating in the Facebook page and stuff, love it. Um, love to have you guys call in and leave a voicemail that we can use and, and discuss your points on the show. So uh, look for the link in the show notes and uh, leave us a message, good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be. And, um, yeah, and if it's, if it's good, we'll get it on air. And also, if uh, you want to buy Peppa Coffee for his birthday, look for that link in the show notes as well. All right, Pep. Uh, want to take a quick break? We'll come back and do the social room. That's Let's a good idea. Do it. One, two, three, four, five, six, do it. You know, we've been doing this podcast. This is our 35th episode. I don't think there's been a story quite this. Oh, I don't even want to use the word divisive. You know, I think everybody who agrees with. Um, with what Don Cherry said in terms of it being perhaps a little too risque 
like even the people who support him say yes he was wrong in what he kind of said but the message was was meant to be that way um i think we can all agree that this is a pretty hot topic uh that has flared up you know some tempers uh, i've read some threads online uh that you know defending don cherry i've read some threads saying this guy is too old he shouldn't be on the air anymore his time has passed you know there are many many way many many aspects many many ways to look at this I have the original sound deeper. clip. You want me to play it? You have the sound bite from this I Saturday. I have a couple is... of sound bites from Don Cherry. So I have okay, the original so... one. That's the issue. There's yeah. the reason he got let go. I also have a sound bite that uh, he spoke to media um, and sort of clarify what he was trying to say and that he was looking right. to apologize. Anyway, this is the original one, and we can go with that first. You know, I was talking to a veteran. I said, I'm not going to run the poppy thing anymore because what's the sense? I live in Mississauga. Nobody wears, uh, uh, very few people wear uh, a poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it, downtown Toronto. Nobody wears a poppy. And I'm not going to wait. He says, wait a minute. How about running it for the people that buy them? Now, you go to the small cities and, you know, you, you know those, the rows on rows, you people love, you, you they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you can pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the, uh, the biggest price. So that's the original comment. And when you talk about, not necessarily divisive, but it's, it's a matter of interpretation and uh, do you think uh, his intentions were good, bad, or what he was trying to say? I think is more or less what it is. Anyway, continue on your thought process. I have my own, but go ahead. Well, I, I want to mention, you know, people are, are fixated on the fact that he used you people. I, I don't, I'm not fixated on that because that could be interpreted a million ways. You people like you, everybody really is what he was trying to say. And he tried to backtrack. I, I did hear that CTV interview this afternoon when he was sort of quasi apologizing, but I think the bigger the bigger issue is when he said, "You come here, <laughs> you people, you come here." Well, how how there's really no room for uh, any other misinterpretation. He's uh, he's referring to people who come to Canada. Correct. I mean, wh- how else was he talking about? So for him to go back on on uh, live TV today and say, "Well, I, I meant you people," as in like you everybody, not just you. No, no, you said you come here. So. You know, it's he's you can't be when you're getting his money, okay. When you're on TV, as long as he's been, he's a professional. He's supposed to be professional at what he does. To just be irresponsible with your with your behavior and irresponsible with what you say, you, you can't. You just can't. Like you, you, you cannot. In like eight, 25 years ago, he made a comment about uh, fans taking pucks in the face, okay. And then he's he, and I quote this because I saw this on a, a YouTube clip today. Yeah, where he says, um, you know, well, it must have been a woman. She must have just yapping in the audience. Let's go, let's play that clip. Do you have it? Yep. I'm telling you, when you come to the games, keep your eyes on the puck. And I'm telling you, I've seen some awful smacks, and it's always a woman yapping away there. No, Look at the game. Lots of fans. What are you talking? Both genders God, get involved on. in talking about the game. I agree I'm with you. just nice trying tip. to help Look them. at the puck, but don't blame women, men, or anybody else for... Uh, Getting in the odd conversation when you... And, Brock, I don't even blame him for that. That was 25, 30 years ago when people's perspectives, uh, things were a little bit looser. You could get away with things like that. 
You could get away with saying what he said yesterday, 30 years ago. Actually, no one would even blink. We've evolved. Like, society has evolved. Are we better or worse? I'm not a judge, but things have evolved. We're social media driven now in this world where you can't get away with stuff anymore. You have to be sensitive. And you're especially if you're a personality on TV and your boss is, is Sportsnet or Rogers, whoever it is, who've told you in the past, stay away from this stuff. We brought you over from CBC. We've warned you. Stay away from these topics. Like you, you're not, you're not a professional on these topics. Your coach's corner is hockey. Like, you know, stick to the minor league teams that you talk about. Stick to the, some uh, some uh, young studs that you've seen up up and coming. Stick to the veterans or stick to your causes. Your uh, you give to organ donation. Uh, you you support them. You support animals, uh, animal rights. Like he does a lot of good. Well, stay I mean, in your lane. He's. So the way I, when I listened to it a couple times here while I was getting it ready, he says, you people. And then he says, you know, that come here or whatever. So I kind of, the more I listened to it, the more I sort of took it as, yes, he said, you people who come here, that implies immigrants. But he also said, or whatever, as in, Whatever your other excuse is, why you're not, you're not wearing poppies, but you like the Canadian way of life. You like the milk and honey that, uh, quote, that Canada provides. So I can see, I just, I don't feel like he's isolating. And when I listen to it again, I don't feel like he's isolating immigrants. I feel like he is basically talking to anybody who's not supporting the veterans who are in Canada, who are Canadian, whether you came here, newly came here, or whether you've been here from day one, but you're still not supporting the veterans and understanding what they went through and what they sacrificed to give us the life that we have today. Shame on you. And that's, yep. you know, and I, I support that. I think you know, what's changed in today's day and age is the, um, the over-sensitive viewer that has access to social media that makes a huge stink of it. Let's have this online petition and send that to everybody on my Facebook group and they can click two buttons um, and try and be activists in that in, uh, from behind a computer screen. That's what's changed in our society more than anything. When you look back at stuff that Don said... You know, he's very passionate about hockey and about Canada. And, you know, I made a comment on that uh, CTV thing that, you know, Canada has changed and Don is still old school Don. He's 80 years old. But, again, with this, he's, I don't know. I just, I feel like it was an abrupt, and uh, you see that across everywhere. It's, uh, you know, companies are very quick to fire employees for things that are said or interpreted like nobody's allowed to make a mistake anymore and i think that's where you know i have a little bit of empathy for him and i just i don't think the more i listen to it i didn't think that it was directly isolating immigrants as much as it was the immigrants or whatever whatever your reason is that you're not wearing a poppy and you're not supporting the veterans shame on you so i you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you say. My only problem with him is that I think we give him way too much credit for his intelligence. I don't think he's a rocket scientist. I think he's a passionate, 
well-traveled, experienced guy who loves Canada, who loves hockey, who loves like grassroots Canada, you know, like hardworking guys in small towns who, who make up the fabric of our country. That's cool. Like, I appreciate yeah. that. My parents are, are, are you know, uh, exactly what the type of people he loves, you know, but he's not smart enough to talk about what he was trying to get into. And he got himself in a little bit of hot water. And he tried to backtrack really quickly on the spot, thinking out loud. And it just didn't work. It didn't work for me. And I don't want to. I didn't want to see him fired. I don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite here, Brock. I like Don Cherry. I like. Uh, I liked his hockey takes over the years. I, I enjoy when whenever there's a game on um, on Sportsnet, I will sit and watch the intermission. Whereas most other sports, I'll flip the channel when it's halftime. Um, so I, I'm. Not, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I like Ron McLean. I like Don Cherry. Uh, you know, for me, the, a few months ago, Don started going into like this whole uh, comparing NHL players to NBA players in terms of what they wear before the game. And he was really he goes into a really weird like he's not he shouldn't be going there. If, first of all, hockey is uh, a sport that's not cheap to play. So it's a whole God, different no. demographic. You you know, your kids play hockey. Yeah, that won't last long. Right. It, yeah, it's not it's not cheap. Basketball is a very cheap sport. Oftentimes, you know, uh, many kids from the inner cities take in basketball in the States. Uh, first of all, they're very good at it. Secondly, they, it's an opportunity for them to get an education that's not as expensive. And, you know, ultimately, if they're very good, they'll help their, they'll support the families the rest of their lives because they're not coming from much. So wearing a suit before a game mean, means they're classier, means that they're, they're better, and that's how, that's how you represent like what what age are you living in? These guys don't know suits, okay? They they you think Russell Westbrook can't afford a suit? Right, <laughs> he can afford a suit. So no, he just chooses not to wear one, and that's you know like he just goes to the like I'm, I'm, again. I'm not, I don't want to put on Dondre. The man is a legend. He's a Canadian icon. He's a character if you think about it. Um, and he's he's helped the the sport of hockey for sure. Like. You know, people in the States who didn't watch a lot of hockey, they know Don Cherry. So, like, for me, I, you know, I might – sorry, I, we went right into the opinion sec- segment of this, uh, of this episode, but I do want to bring it back. Do you think – yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, I think uh, – let's take a quick that, break, a- and then uh, let's refresh this connection too and see if we can get it. You were breaking up a little bit there, so we will be uh, okay. right back. And we're back. Sorry about that, folks. Again, we're recording remotely here, which means I'm in my place and Brock's in his. And uh, sometimes we get our wires crossed. Uh, I have oh, relatively stable Wi-Fi, but I'm using an older iPad, and uh, the thing disconnects occasionally. But we were talking about Don Cherry, and uh, Brock and I sort of we were going to give our personal thoughts, but we are actually going to go right into uh i want to ask brock was it fair or sports to fire well i sort of addressed that uh in my initial rant but i think we're just in a society that um i don't know if it's the social media pressure or what it is but companies seem very quick to fire employees based on something like this uh i think he, he should have been given an opportunity to apologize, to make things right. 
Um, you know, unless he was on thin ice, but you know what you're getting with him. You, you knew from the get-go, he's the reason that people are watching. Um, you know, you know what you're getting with, with, well, with Don too, right? Like it, he's always been kind of controversial. He's always very uh, opinionated. And I don't know. I think Don needed Ron to bail him out a little bit. And normally Ron is very good at um, interpreting and taking what Don's saying and sort of making sure that it's clear that he's not coming at a specific group and like, you know, you're talking about everybody now, right, Don? And he's very good in that sense where in this particular instance, Ron, you know, missed on that. And I know Ron had come out and apologized um, for not saying something at the time too. Um, I don't know. I, you know, the two of them together, am I going to go watch Ron talk with somebody else? No, I don't know. I think, so, I think your sta- so your stance is he was fired unfairly. <sighs> you use the term fairly, you know, I, I get both viewpoints. Um, I get that it was wrong what he said. Um, I also think that, you know, as I said earlier, I think it was interpreted a little bit off, um, you know, because I don't take Don Cherry to be a – I take him to be a homer. I take him to be very passionate about all the things that are traditionally Canadian and, you know, veterans and animal societies and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't take him for a racist. And so I, I choose to believe that – um, although it wasn't right, I also interpreted the rest of the whole quote in context and think that he was talking to basically, you know, all the, you know, the, you know, what he calls them, yuppies and stuff like that, city kids that have no appreciation for veterans. They're not wearing poppies. They're not doing whatever. That's as they're a group together. Those are you people. Anybody without a poppy who's not supporting the veterans who live in Canada fall into you people. Yeah, you know what? Had he not said you come here, I, I would I'd agree with you. But he really left himself wide open for uh, for criticism by going there. And you know, you mentioned it. He ba- like he he tried to backtrack almost on the spot, but then he just sort of doubled down with like I don't know, man. You know, and you you mentioned uh, you know Sportsnet knowing what they got with him. Well, there was a lot of pressure for Sportsnet to bring Coach's Corner over from CBC. They they didn't want to initially. I think they had had enough with with them. But there was a lot of pressure, social pressure, for Rogers to continue to keep that segment on their hockey program. Uh, you know, it's a Canadian staple. And then remember, you remember the music? The, that was a big deal, too. And we sort of got used to that. <clears throat> like, he did have an, an opportunity to apologize, and he flat out said, no, I'm not a robot. That's, they, he, told, he said in his interview today, they approached him and said, look, we need you to come out and apologize or you're not going to you're not going to have work. And he said, no, I refuse to do that. I'm not a robot. Part of coaches corners. I need to be able to talk and say what I want. We it, freedom of speech is is amazing. It's great. It's what makes North America, really. But it has to be done responsibly. Otherwise, you so just got Yahoo's going crazy. Is it technically freedom of speech if you have to monitor what you're saying? If you want to be, if you want to be someone who, who other people take seriously, yes. If you want to be a, a rogue and just go say off the cuff all the time, you're gonna you're gonna divide people, and you're gonna have your haters and your and your lovers, and you're gonna have your. For me, for me, I'm diplomatic when I talk, 
I try to be anyways, maybe not with my friends. We, we, you know, when you're around the boys, you say, you say certain things. But when I'm, uh, when I'm a public figure, like on here, for example, sometimes, or when I do my Facebook or uh, our posts, I try to be diplomatic. It's hard sometimes, especially as a sports fan. But, you know, because I, I don't want to offend. I take pride in not offending people if I can, if it's, if it's at all possible. You know, yeah, so there's, a, there's then, a level of pride in that. But then, you you know, if you sit there and you examine your two lives, your, you know, unsportsmanlike convo, and then the, you know, the, the Carlton Tavern at 2 a.m., at what part, which aspect do you, would you consider to be, you know what, I truly have freedom of speech? Probably well, the tavern. You, know, you got to know your audience. Is, I always, you yeah. know, I think it's one of, the, one of the greatest things about comedians is that they know their audience. They sh- well, they try to anyways. And the, the good comedians know what they can get away with and what they can't. And a lot like when you're when you're a public speaker, you got to know who you're talking to. And I, I look, I'm not again. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm really yeah, like yeah. I'm really sad. This is a sad day. Like it's a sad day. Yesterday was a sad day. You know, a man who supports you know a, you know Canada as a whole was fired on Remembrance Day. That's awful if you think about it. And uh, I just think we give Don Cherry a little too much credit for being this like high and mighty Canadian like look man I don't have to if I don't see him on coach's corner I don't ever hear I never hear from him in the news do you I don't see him in public outings the man's 85 years old so right. this could be a blessing in disguise hopefully he can ride off to the sunset I respect his hockey knowledge I do I love his hockey takes I love listening to him on coach's corner when he talks about a play in the boards or something greasy or dirty that I didn't pick up on in a regular hockey game but this whole, like, go, just stay in your lane, bud. You know, you just stay in your lane. So that's my opinion on Don. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, you know, is the state of hockey in a better spot, better spot now than it was when he started talking 30 years ago? Is the game safer? Is it uh, more inclusive uh, than it ever was? And has he helped that? Uh uh, you know what? That's uh, that's kind of tough because you say, did he leave it kind of – is it better now than when he first started? And there's a, there's a big – I don't know. It's, a, it's tough to, to tell what would you consider to be, quote-unquote, better. Um, like it's not as rough. Okay. So uh, fighting is being phased out of the, out of the game. Is that better or worse for hockey? Well, the, I mean, that debate for him is it's better. The debate is, is still, you know, you took fighting out of the game. Well, then there's no accountability for the cheap shots, for the running players, for the slashing and uh, taking liberties on star players, because there's nobody there to beat the snot out of you if you do it. So, you know, it depends on who you're asking. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's a lot faster. Um, I'd say it's more inclusive. You know, when we say inclusive, I, I think of, um, you know, the African, uh, African-American players that are in the NHL. There's obviously a lot more now than there was back in the day. Um, you know, I mean, players from all nationalities, really. And so in that sense, yes. Um, is it more inclusive in terms of uh, financial... Uh, abilities to to be in that sport. No, I think it's worse now than it was back in the day. Um, so even though you know uh, nationality wise, you have a more diverse locker room. 
all those people come from money somewhere. Like, you can't play hockey without money, and it's even more and more expensive now. Um, you know, I don't know. What, what, did I, what would I have rather see from a, a fan standpoint? And I can't remember where I was just talking about it, but um, I was thinking of, uh, you know, having dinner at a neighbor's house with my family, and we were watching the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs Chicago Blackhawks uh, game on TV. Big Leaf fan back then. We literally lived two doors down, and we stood at their doorway for 20 minutes with our boots and jackets on because there was a fight, and we had to stay and watch it. And before we could say bye and open the door, there was another one, and there was another one, and there was another one, and it went on forever. And I remember, I mean, that's a game I remember. I had nothing, no, you know, implications in terms of Stanley Cup or anything, but it was a game that I remember, and I remember being right into it. So, you know, that that's the kind of game that I grew up on. So today's game loses a little bit for me with, you know, without having the fight and stuff. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. What's your take on it? Well, I think, I think the game, from a skill perspective, is as good as it's ever been. I think I mean, that's another podcast. I want to ask Ken Tasker about this, but I just think the players are too good. They skate too fast. They shoot too hard for the size of the rink that they play on. And uh, But that's a whole other topic. I don't even think Don Cherry... I don't think Don Cherry really cares about that. I think he likes the, the mucking it up and the, the gritty guys. So for him, it's, you know, uh, you get a goal off a rebound. That's, that's his kind of boy, you know? But... Uh, I like to see a bit more, really, the skill guys don't have any room to dangle. Like, McDavid might be the only exception because he's so fast, he creates his own space. But, like, there's the, the real skill guys in the NHL don't have a whole ton of room anymore or time. Time and space, they talk about. It, it's taken away so quickly in the NHL that I think something needs to be done, whether it's four-on-four four or whether it's um, whether it's bigger ice field. And we're not going to see bigger ice money out of the open. We eliminate that. So the NHL has to figure that out. But, you know, um, in terms of the game itself, I, I, five years ago, I was an advocate for, the, for the, the, the enforcer. Like, I thought, you know, these guys are getting, getting run at and there's no accountability. <clears throat> but I, when I hear these, these stories of concussions and CTE and, you know, we talked to Ta- Ken Tasker on our podcast about the toll it takes on these guys to go and do that night in, night out. Is it, is it worth it? Or do we just clean up the game and call every penalty like they have? And it, the game's pretty clean right now. There's a, still the odd low hit that takes out a guy's knee, but you know the amount of headshots, I, I, it's it's got to be it's got to be eighty percent less than it was fifteen years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's so, a happy medium too. We don't need to have like Ken in the Quebec League where your job is strictly to scrap twice a night, but. Um, you know, but you still have the uh, the Matt Cooks and the um, um, what's his little name there? The guy for the Bruins can't stand Marshawns. Marshawns, yeah. that kind of stuff. Where it's um, you know, I mean, the Bruins have a chair, and now he's getting old. But somebody like that who will can still play, but will deter somebody from taking real liberties because he'll he'll end that fairly quickly. So that sort of hybrid needs to be back in. But, you know, all the guys that Don Cherry loves and the gritty guys and the, you know, the guys that go in the corner and stuff, who usually wins a Stanley Cup? Like, you could be as skilled as you want. It's the guys that are gritty. So the game is still 
in that as much as the skill has evolved, it still seems to be teams that are made up with gritty guys who can push through within those playoffs. And when the space gets really, really small, those windows become almost non-existent. That's the teams. Those are the teams that are successful. And as a, I think you nailed it. You just, you nailed that point. I just think it's hard to watch the fans times. It's just, you know, it's hard to watch the puck in the corner for 60, 60 or 70% of the game and yep. not in the middle of the ice where the plays are made or where there's a drop pass and a slap shot that actually has a chance to go in. So, but again, we talk about, now we're talking about like the game itself and the, 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 how it, how it's played, you know, just Don Cherry, I think for me was a, a, a Canadian legend and I'm sad to see him go. I'm sad to see him go this way in particular, who knows, maybe, maybe in the future, near future, there could be a, uh, you know, a reconcile, an apology, or, or when, the, when the dust settles, when, when nerves are calm, maybe he'll rethink his approach, maybe Sportsnet will rethink, and maybe we can get all this, maybe this could be a real opportunity for Sportsnet to say, hey, you know what, We're, we are Canadian, we forget, and maybe Don can, can, can come up with something a bit better than, I'm not a robot, you know, you don't have to be so macho, Don, it's okay. Just say, look, I made a boo-boo. I didn't. I really didn't mean that. How you guys interpreted it, I shouldn't have said you come to. <laughs> you know, like just be okay with that. I've made tons of mistakes, and I'm the first one to say, hey, listen, I made a boo-boo, man. I shouldn't have said that. It's not a big deal. You're Don freaking Cherry, man. You influence so many people, and no, he's clearly revered. I mean, there's a lot of people on my Facebook who absolutely love him, you know, and they're and they're upset, and and you know what. They have a right to be, you know, he's, if they're, if they love him and they, and they, he, they think he got fired unceremoniously, then, you know, support him. Well, this is what he uh, actually said in that other interview. I guess one question everyone might want to know is when you did say you people, who did you mean? Well, I meant, I meant everybody. And, but I said the wrong thing. I, you can't, and when you're, when you have seven minutes to go and you have to go and you have to go, when you say everyone, you meant, I meant everyone. Everybody, that's what I meant. And I, you know, I thought Ron would come back and, you know, say, you know, say something. He didn't say anything. I didn't think it was that bad. And I never, when I left that night, it was, nobody said anything. It was the next day that uh, they talked about it and the whole deal. So that's the, way, if that's the way people want to take it. There's nothing I can do about it. Do you wish you used different words? Yes, I wish I had said everybody. But... Uh, it's nothing you can do about it. I didn't use it, and uh, you can't go back. You can't say wish. I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. I did it, and uh, I pay him the price. Were you asked to apologize? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I would have. You know, I would have. Uh, I think I, that Saturday I would have uh, apologized if I if I had to hurt people and stuff like that. I think I would. I would have. And I said I would. And I said I would, but it wasn't enough. You know, and whatever I. The guy's 80-whatever. He comes from generations before. So maybe there is that aspect of what he's actually thinking. But let's consider also that he's on live television. You know? Like, we could screw up right now. I can say whatever I want. I edit this before it goes out. So we'll take it out. But you're on live television with... You know, you're kind of stuck with what you're saying. He's been doing it for years. But... You know, you fumble on your words, you say something that even if your intentions are not there, sounds horrible, you're kind of screwed. So, I, again, I feel for him. I, uh, you know, I understand he made, people's... He made a boo-boo. He made, he made a boo-boo. And, again, 
you know, that's I guess that's where I'm just like, really? Like we're we're firing people over something that he can apologize for and that, you know, it was a bit of a slip up. It wasn't uh I don't know, I guess it would be considered racist. But it I don't know. He, he he when he you come here i think that was really the key and i read i've read a lot of uh i read a lot of articles about don and and his relationship with sportsnet and this this isn't this isn't a one off like he's they've warned him multiple times to watch what he says and see they're your boss so my boss tells me pierre when a when a you know i manage a gym if a if a member comes in stop calling them babe and i keep calling them babe i don't know i'm going to get fired so uh, I'm sad about it. It's, I don't, you know, I don't want him to be fired. I, I would have rather what you just played that soundbite. I would have rather he had an opportunity to, to maybe, maybe say that, but it didn't work out that way. That's why I think maybe, maybe let some time pass. A couple of weeks will go by and who knows, maybe there could be a reconciliation and maybe Ron McLean can, can be the mediator. Maybe he can get involved in, in this. And uh, you know, he should have stepped up and, and, and helped his friend because Don is 85 and you know, <laughs> at 85 years old you're not going to change your ways now so you are no. who you are and he's and one thing he is and nobody can nobody can debate this and we're back i uh we had a few uh, technical glitches there we are now working with the facetime audio only hopefully this will be a little bit smoother but Pep, you had were getting on to a very uh, emphasized <laughs> point, and then uh, we kind of left the listeners hanging. Yeah, I'll, all I wanted to finish off saying is that he is a nobody can debate that he is a true Canadian. Uh, he doesn't necessarily represent all of us Canadians, but he he represents our values in the in the sense that we're hardworking and we we um, we support our military and we support. The message that he's trying to convey, we just don't support how he conveyed it. And I think, you know, for that alone, he should still be employed. I, I don't agree with his firing. But, you know, there are a lot of messages, even like Frank LeClaire on Facebook uh, posted, you know, frankly, he's just, his time has passed. So there are a group of people out there who, you know, feel like his time has come and gone. And, uh, you know, they went so far as to say he's incoherent. And, I don't see it quite yet. Like, I still enjoy his takes. Um, so, you know, it's a sad day, man. It's a sad day for Canada. I've said, I just, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but I'm, I'm, this is not something I want to celebrate. And Paul Maurice said it, you know, he's had such an impact on hockey and the coaches and the players, the young guys. He goes and sees all the young, young teams and young players. And um, mm-hmm. he's had a positive impact for the most part on, on youth hockey. So, you know, what can I say? I, I feel like it's a death, and it's not. I hope hopefully things can uh, things can calm down, and people can have conversations. Uh, more important people than guys like you and I who can hopefully talk this out, see where it goes, you know. And uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back on TV in, in a hockey capacity. Maybe not on Sportsnet, but who knows? Well, you always get you always kind of worry when you talk about a death. I mean, you know, he's his wife passed away a long time ago. His dog passed away. Like this was his thing. This is what, you know, probably gave him reasons for getting up in the morning and moving forward. So I hope that he does find something else uh, or they fix something. I mean, 
if we can, if we reelect our prime minister who went as blackface, you know, and people can look over that, I think, uh, you know, Don Cherry will get a, an opportunity at some point. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I, one thing I do want to mention is, I, look, I'm, I'm a visible minority. I come from, my parents immigrated to Canada. I'm born and raised in Canada with Canadian values. And I wasn't offended by what he said. I mean, that goes a long way. You know, anyway, that's, uh, so, okay. I'm, I don't want to go any further into this. This will end up being a long, uh, a long show and, and going into certain areas that, uh, yeah, we don't want to go just yet. Uh, but I think that speaks volumes from that standpoint. And I think, you know, a lot of people who may be complaining are speaking on behalf of people like yourself. And when you're speaking for it and saying, I'm not offended by that. So, um, yeah, the, the, anyway. the only thing it does for a guy like me, Brock, is that it makes my life a little bit more difficult because not because of what he said, not because of what Don Cherry thinks. I know he doesn't. I know Don Cherry has nothing against me or my family or how hard we work. And if we don't wear a poppy, I know, I know that it's the yahoos that 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 take what he says and just go to town with it. Yeah, that's what's the scary part. And those those are the yahoos are like those are the yahoos that say like a like Pierre Chevrier, this this guy who wrote on a CTV thread once, told me to go home, Arab. I can't remember what I was posting on exactly, but it's guys like him, and I just, I just made him famous, and I, I don't want to, but you know what? Screw it. That guy told me to go home, Arab. And, um, you know, it's guys like that that can take what he says and be like, yeah, you know, yeah, oh, those guys that come to our country, they don't wear poppies. Screw them, man. And, like, that's, that's the whole point of this. So, um, yeah, very anyway. Valid. Okay, well, um, turning the page on Don Cherry, what else you got for <laughs> us in the social room? Yeah, that was a hot topic, man. I, I, this next topic um, is, it's, this is sad too, man. Uh, this was really sad. And I, I didn't expect my, uh, myself to, to react this way to a team that I don't even follow or like that much. Uh, I, sorry, I do follow them. I just don't, I don't cheer for them. Um, but, you know, when the Red Blacks fired Rick Campbell, I didn't know much about Rick Campbell until I saw his presser um, and how emotional he was and how the fact that he's, he's uh, from here. And, you know, he talked about the parade on Bank Street and he was wearing a Glebe shirt uh, to his presser. I just and he was visibly upset and I thought he was classy in his in his presser. I thought uh, he said all the right things. And then conversely. I saw Desjardins in his presser basically say can't, that my relationship with, with Campbell deteriorated and that's why it's done and blah, blah, blah. And it was very cold and it was like, right. I think we know where the problem is. You know what I mean, Brock? Um, yeah. Like uh, the fact that Ottawa loses a guy like Rick Campbell um, is not encouraging for the future of the team. Finding somebody so, to replace, finding somebody to replace a guy like him. So, I mean, what is it? They're five years in the league. They've been in the Great Cup three times. Yeah, before this season, this is the first yeah. season they had a losing season. I think. I think the first, their inaugural season was a losing season, but I mean, they they still played really well and showed signs. Right. So, I don't know. I I just don't think that was necessarily the right move. But you know, the GM has more power than the coach, and I think. Now, I don't know if he was, is he officially fired or was he, 
is it kind of a mutual like look i just can't do it with the with the circumstances and the relationship that we have right now i thought it was i more think it like, was uh it was spun that way yeah anyway to see campbell's speech and the emotions that came with it i think speak volumes in today's professional sports you don't often see a guy who gives a shit enough to be emotional like that um especially from coaches like you see that with guys that are retiring it's like oh i'm gonna miss the game and that's emotional but for coaches it's usually you know it didn't work out i'm moving on to the next one uh you know there's no attachment um to that specific city necessarily because they live somewhere else. They're not from that area. They just made a temporary home. Campbell is a guy who has a lot of history in the Ottawa area uh, from his father, I think, too. And, um, you know, the success, the, the helping build this organization from nothing, like absolutely nothing, to fruition to a great cup within three years to – um, you know, filling the stands and and having the Red Blacks mean something. And then you see Marcel get up there and, and it's just another day at the office. Now, I get that these GMs and stuff, you almost have to put your emotions away. You can't make decisions based on emotions. Um, but I, maybe it's taking it too far. I don't know. It's I mean, I, for me, that you, you nailed it. Like, I... Rick Campbell, man, that was, he did a great job. And this year was, he was, this year, the cupboard was bare. Like, you know, like Bell Parcell said, if you want, you know, you want to let me cook, you got to let me buy some of the groceries. Like, I, I may, I think I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like that, you Definitely. know? And they lost all their groceries, man. They lost, hey, let's look at who's in the, let's, who's in the, in the West final right now, Edmonton, with Trevor Harris, Ellingson, and I believe Sir Vincent Rogers plays for them too, correct? Yep. And, they're playing. They're playing Hamilton um, on the on the other side. Saskatchewan hosts Winnipeg. Saskatchewan's got William Powell in the backfield. So when you lose your starting QB, running back, best receiver, and one maybe the best receiver in the in the CFL. That, that's a, that's a good debate. But he might be the best receiver in the CFL. And your best left tackle. And, and your, your best left tackle and one of the best in the league. And you replace them with no offense to anybody who replaced their positions, but. You replace them with guys that aren't as good as them. You, how are you going to win? How do you expect the fan base to buy in? Like, I don't, the whole, the whole situation was just, he, he was, a, he's the scapegoat for some very, very poor player personnel management. And that's unfortunate. And I think Rick Campbell was very adamant in saying, like, we need to keep Trevor Harris. Like, we need to resign him. And when that didn't happen, you know, Campbell did his best. I thought he did his best. This was not a good team. So, you know, I, he was he was let go. However, however it was, I, I'm curious to see who's going to replace him. The offensive coordinator position was a complete disaster. They started off with four guys doing doing the job of one. Then they settled with Joe Pow Pow. Uh, Joe Pow Pow. I don't think really wanted any business to do with that. But he he was you know being Joe Pow Pow, the team guy. He took it over and. He was even the scapegoat. Look, man, your guys can't catch and your guys can't throw. How the hell are you going to score points? Yeah, I think losing um, the OC right before the season started, I feel like uh, – what the hell is his name again? It's oh, like Elio or uh, – Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Anyway. But he was, he was the dude who said – 
you know, Harris goes, I go, right? Uh, I don't know if he said Harris goes, I go. That's why, well, if he did, then then my next comment isn't relevant. But the OC has a bit of say on what kind of guys fit his system. And I would assume, now again, we both know what assuming means, but I would assume that if he says, yes, I can run or I have an offense that can go with um, Davis and... You know, if we get if you get rid of Trevor and we don't pay Trevor, then we can run an offense with with Davis and be successful, or he can have certain packages or whatever. Um, I feel like that conversation has to happen. I also feel like maybe Marcel's putting in a bad spot too. Maybe it's ownership that is putting the pressure on him to keep salary uh, um, commitments to a certain level, and Trevor Harris just didn't fall into it. But I don't. Otherwise, yeah. I don't get why a team that uh, the year before was still a contender. Were they not in the Grey Cup? The, the uh, Red Blacks? Who was in the Grey Cup last year? Well, Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, Calgary and Ottawa, sorry. Calgary and Ottawa. So a team that's, again, knocking on the doorstep, having success. Why are we not in the mindset of just uh, reloading, retooling a little bit and continue this push and say, Let's you know we got to resign guys, and we have a team that is worth resigning. Why oh, go yeah. from that to completely uh, cleaning house? I don't get because like, obviously it's, 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 it's something. It, it was an aging team, Brock. This was like these guys are in their prime. No, exactly. So I either Marcel is you know completely shit the bed this year, or he is getting pressure from above to make certain decisions. Um. But I have no, uh, I have no problem with Rick Campbell walking away because of the state that this team was in. It makes I totally agree with him. Let me let me put your coach's head on for a second. If if you uh, I, now if you ask me to choose between Dominic Davis and and uh, Jen, Jonathan Jennings, um, I, at this point, if you told me uh, we got we're stuck with these two guys next year, I'm going with Dominic Davis. If you're Dominic Davis, if you're an OC. What do the what do the Red Blacks need for a guy like Davis to be successful? And we we both know Davis can run a little bit, and he's got a cannon for an arm. His accuracy is, I think, you know, remains to be uh, remains to be seen. It's sort of been all over the map. But a guy like a player like him, what what do the Red Blacks need for him to be successful? Uh, they need an offensive coordinator to design an offense around his strengths, which is, so, I mean, he's mobile. He can. He can do a lot of things with the legs. And in the CFL, that's can be very uh, valuable. Look at like a Doug Flutie back in the day. You know, he was able to move and scramble and, you know, run for a bunch of yards. He'd have, you know, these option uh, RPOs, essentially. Basically, it's either, you know, you fake a handoff and take some steps out and you're reading one guy and either it's a quick pass or you lanes open, you can run for it. The field is open. And so Dominic what kind of Davis. personnel would be would he need for that? What kind, does he need slot receivers who with great hands? Does he need more speed on the outside? Take the top off? Does he need all of it? That like what if you're building a team around him? Uh, you know we know what his strengths are, and we know the OC needs to create a pro, uh, a plan for those strengths. But he needs his to be surrounded by the players to help him succeed. What, what how do you build a team? What do you what are you looking for? Like if you're buying the groceries, the first thing I'm looking for is the meat and potatoes which is the offensive line. So uh, that's where you put money in. The fact that you let uh, 
Sir Vincent take off. You know, that's a that's a huge part of the groceries that is leaving. Um, and literally, yeah, literally. And I don't think they replaced them with somebody who was quite up to snuff. And maybe they thought he was going to, but they didn't. They need to get those five guys on the same page. And, you know, their offensive line coach changed too. So it went from, you know, a guy like Brian Chu to uh, uh, John, I can't remember his last name now. But, you know, again, I'm not criticizing that coach either, but it all starts there. After that, it doesn't matter what your running backs are like. doesn't matter what your receivers are like or your quarterback. If your O-line can't get the job done, then everything else is might as well be uh, burnt meat on the barbecue. Hey, let me tell you, the, the final teams, this is a good, good segue into my, the last part of this, is uh, the final four is now set. Winnipeg is visiting Saskatchewan. And, uh, wow, Winnipeg was impressive in their victory. Um, I believe they beat Calgary. Yep. Uh, on the road. Hard place to play. You know, Bo Levi Mitchell, lots of, lots of experience there. It was a cold day, and they went out and they ran the football. And, uh, and Calgary was last in the CFL in running. So having a run game in the CFL does matter, especially when the, when the weather turns. So, you know, um, Henry Burris brought that up, actually, on, a, on a team, the Team 1200. They asked him, well, you know, what the difference is in this game. He said, look, it's going to be cold. And Winnipeg has... Uh, I think the second leading uh, rushing attack in the CFL and Calgary had the, the, the worst in the CFL. So he, he went ahead and picked Winnipeg. So congratulations for Hanky for picking the right, right team there, but they're going to travel to Saskatchewan and uh, that's going to be a great game. Zach Caleros looked pretty good for Winnipeg. Edmonton yeah, travels to Hamilton. And you know, we look at Edmonton, Trevor Harris was so good against Montreal last week, even when Montreal made a couple of comeback bids for uh, late in their game. Harris came down and got some big first down throws. Like, much, uh, uh, Ottawa really, really, really missed the boat with Harris, I think. And we, he took some heat his first couple of years. But boy, oh boy, he was good this year. Did you watch uh, any of Harris's games this year, Brock? Yeah. Uh, oh, I watched the ones this weekend, too. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Winnipeg does, uh, Winnipeg. Edmonton plays later, usually, too. And so a late CFL game usually doesn't get my attention. But, right. um, and it's also. It's disheartening watching the Edmonton, not only because of being the Eskimos, and as an Ottawa fan, you generally have a distaste for them, but the fact that you're looking at an offense that looks very similar to what your your Ottawa offense looked like last year um, is tough to watch because they're good. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think Ellingson is a huge loss, I think, especially with the relationship that him and Sinopoli had and the, the chemistry between two receivers in terms of running routes and stuff is huge as well. But the chemistry with Trevor Harris. Anyway, I hope Edmonton does well. I probably am going for Edmonton over Hamilton. And I wouldn't mind seeing an Edmonton-Saskatchewan final just because I kind of want to see those guys that were Red Blacks last year do well. Are you, so are you picking Edmonton to beat Hamilton on the road and, and Saskatchewan to beat Winnipeg at home? Yes. Amazing. Amazing. I am picking uh, – I'm not – you know, I keep, I keep betting against Hamilton, and they keep proving me wrong. <laughs> I think we're going to see a rematch of the – I think it was a 2012 or 2013 Grey Cup. I think we're going to see Saskatchewan and Hamilton in the, uh, in the Grey Cup. But, again, I, I – you know – uh, it should be Edmonton in terms of talent. 
terms of their quarterback experience, but I just I can't get I can't bet against Hamilton. They just they just keep doing it. I mean that's their who, uh, Brock, their coach slips my mind. The guy from uh, Toronto he used to play for Toronto, wasn't he? Yes. Oh my anyway, God. Jamie uh, Elizondo was the offensive coordinator for the Red Blacks that I keep forgetting. But all right. Um, and I think earlier in our podcast, not today, but I did pick Saskatchewan and Hamilton being in the Grey Cup uh, as a replay of the 1989 uh, Grey Cup between the two of them at, t- oh, at uh, Sky Dome with Tony Champion and Ridgeway kicked the winning field goal. So, um, you know, that was my prediction earlier. I am going for Edmonton, but that my prediction is still Saskatchewan and um, uh, Hamilton. Do you remember the quarterback, uh, the quarterbacks for that game in 89? Ken Austin. Yeah. And uh, McManus. Mike Kerrigan. Oh, Mike Kerrigan. That's right. Mike Kerrigan. Uh, yeah. Mike Kerrigan. Orlando, Orlando Steinauer, Steinauer is the uh, Hamilton coach. Yeah. You beat me to it. I was just about to say that. Um, yeah, there's a catch by Tony Champion in 1989 that is still when he had broken ribs and did that like uh, clip around dive in the back right corner of the end zone. I don't know if you remember that. One of the greatest well, catches went over I've ever the seen. Wrongs, went over, I think it was initially supposed to go over one shoulder, went over the other, and he ended up twisting in the middle of the air and landing on his back. It was just a that, – that great he cup had broken was ribs. so entertaining. Like he was playing with broken or bruised ribs or cracked ribs or something like that from like the week before, and he wasn't sure if he was going to be playing, and he makes that catch. Donald Narcisse and Ray Elgard and – anyway. Maybe. Yeah, Fairhome. Yeah, that was the first year the Sky Dome was open. Was that the first year? Yeah, well, yeah, it was, it was at the Sky Dome anyway. I had that Amazing. on the video somewhere. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Why B, why don't we take a quick break, and, uh, and when we come back, we'll wrap things up. Yeah, man. Let's do that. Audio sucks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, And we are back for the uh, final segment, Brock's College Football Roundup. We, uh, we've made an amendment on our schedule here, and we were like uh, the Don Cherry talk really was the, uh, the, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of our podcast today. And we wanted to get that out there because it's a hot topic. It's still fresh, and uh, mm. I was very interested to get Brock's perspective. But uh, we'll talk about the Raptors' big weekend in, uh, in L.A., uh, big loss to the Clippers, but also a big win to the La- uh, versus the Lakers. When I say big loss, I mean it was they 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 fought hard. Um, we'll also talk maybe NFL on our next podcast. There was a big Monday night game, Niners in Seattle. Um, it's a very interesting game, uh, interesting coin toss call that was uh, I think yes, right. up maybe, but it was uh, interesting. But we're going to get to those topics on our next podcast. There'll be a lot more basketball to talk about and a lot more football. But we want to finish off with Brock's college football roundup. And Brock, it was a big weekend, LSU baby. LSU is right. LSU came to play. Now, I completely screwed up. I was down at Colgate with the family, uh, and I forgot to set my PVR to record that game, so I had to go on YouTube and watch uh, a cut-up version as much as I could. And to be honest, uh, Alabama really screwed themselves. Um, There's a lot of sloppiness from an Alabama team, an Alabama Saban team, that you don't usually see and usually it's the opposite the other team is making some sort of mental mistake that Alabama jumps on and takes full advantage of but in this case LSU 
was awesome. They were great. They played really good. But, um, you know, people talk about Tua's ankle and, uh, you know, hamper his mobility a little bit. From what I saw, he still moved pretty damn well. And his ankle had nothing to do with him running in wide open space at the 10-yard line going in the end zone and dropping the ball. Uh, just straight up fumbled it, turned it over. That was like the first drive of the game. Um, you know, there was another punt for Alabama later that went right through the punter's hands and ended up, you know, costing him about 70 yards in field position and put LSU right in, in prime spot to score. Uh, coverage breakdowns by Alabama where LSU has two receivers wide open. Anyway, it was really uh, disheartening to see Alabama and the way they were they were playing. But that also goes to show that, um, you know, you got to play tough people during the season. I think Alabama's got away with a bit of a lighter schedule to date. Um, I know they have a couple of big ones coming up. But um, anyway, they, uh, they lose. So week 11, LSU, like we said, beats Alabama 46-41. So if you took the under, you were way off. Congratulations, LSU looks really good. Burroughs put himself front runner for the Heisman. Um, kids, you know, making throws, putting the balls right where they need to be. Um, anyway, he's lived up to it. I keep waiting for him to come down off of this uh, this high, and he just keeps proving me wrong. Now, the downside for a guy like Burroughs is that he's likely going to be a Cincinnati Bengal next year, which <laughs> that sucks. So enjoy winning now because that's not going to happen again for the next few years. Uh, for all those wondering, Florida does beat Vanderbilt 56 uh, Vanderbilt, since um, their coach left for Penn State, uh, has not been the same. Uh, James Franklin... Brings, it was a huge thing for, for Vanderbilt and actually got them not relevant, but got them to be a very tough win. Um, and since he left, they have done very little. Penn State's your beloved Nittany Lions lost to Minnesota 31-26. So that puts Penn State at a one loss now, too, and kind of outside looking in in terms of the playoffs. They're going to need some help for sure. That Minnesota, was a good game. Minnesota stays undefeated, man. And uh, P.J. Fleck has those guys rolling. Or rowing, I should say. Rowing the boat. That's his thing. Does everybody row yeah. the boat? Uh, Iowa lost to Wisconsin, 24-22. Uh, much tighter game than I thought it was. And then the game that I told you guys to watch, the late game, was the Iowa State-Oklahoma. Iowa State unranked. Oklahoma was ranked like sixth. And uh, if you did stay up and watch it, I got a to catch the end of it at your birthday party, the Carlton and uh, Oklahoma ended up winning 42, 41 Iowa state went for two on their game tying or on their last touchdown to try and win the game. And they just missed it. Hell yeah. There's nothing you're, you're now have a chance to uh, beat Oklahoma. So a team where if you go, it's just like, I I think back to the, uh, the bowl game, Oklahoma versus Boise State back in the day. And Boise State had tied the game up late in the game uh, with a trick, uh, hook and ladder type play, scores. They get to overtime. Uh, Boise State scores a touchdown. And then uh, the very next possession, Oklahoma has a chance, and it's Adrian Peterson. And so one play, he gets in the end zone. So Boise State, uh, then Oklahoma gets up again. 
They score a touchdown. Boise State has to score a touchdown to tie. Again, Oklahoma's scoring like one play at a time. Boise State's going like to fourth down to just keep moving the damn chains. They finally get a touchdown. They go for two with another trick play, score, win the game by one. The thing is, you cannot keep going. It's like um, trying to fight Mike Tyson and say, well, just give me your best. I'm just going to punch you as hard as I can back and forth, back and forth. It's just not going to work. You're, you're eventually going to lose. So you got to take your shot when you have it. And I think Iowa State was in that exact situation. They're unranked. They're playing against a very, very potent offense. And if they wanted to tie the game and go to overtime and hope that they can outscore them, outduel them in overtime, is unlikely. The odds are not there. Your odds are better to take that two-point shot and try and finish it at that point. So I'm all for it, and I think um, it was the right call. I remember watching that Boise State game, and uh, it, Kellen Moore was the quarterback, I believe, right? Or, or was it uh, Trumansky? Or, no, wait. No, it was Kellen Moore, I think, the lefty. Was it Kellen Moore? Yeah. I think and so. He was, yeah. And he, uh, yeah, he made that, that fake hand, uh, pass, and he ended up handing it off, and the guy sort of ran a sweep yeah, into the, the corner of the end zone. The Statue of Liberty, and then he proposed to his girlfriend. That was amazing. That was awesome. <laughs> that was one game I watched from start to finish. Is Boise State, is that the team that plays in that blue field? You betcha. Wild. Yep. Um, all right, so those were the games. Most of them lived up to the hype that day. So if you watch the Penn State-Minnesota, the LSU-Bama, and the Iowa State-Oklahoma game, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, uh, week 12, This is the, these are the games that you should probably pay attention to. Uh, noon is Michigan State at Michigan. Uh, 2.30, you got Navy, who's ranked 24th, at Notre Dame, who's 15th right now. Uh, Navy is a tough team, and if Notre Dame can't stop their triple threat run, then it's going to be a long day for them. 3.30, we got Wake Forest at Clemson. That's a game I'm going to be watching because I need to see Clemson be tested. Is Wake Forest that test? I don't know, but they're ranked 19th right now, so they're doing something right. I want to need to see Clemson get really pushed to the brink because I don't think they're as good as advertised. 3.30 is Georgia 6 versus Auburn 11, another big SEC tilt. Uh, 4 o'clock is Minnesota at Iowa, and then 7.30 is Oklahoma at Baylor, who's undefeated right now too so that game should be a barn burner um the new playoff rankings so they came out while we were doing this podcast the new playoff top four is now lsu at number one ohio state number two clemson number three and georgia is in at number four georgia the two outskirts are alabama and oregon so for me, I'm a little upset because I think Minnesota should be in there. My top four is LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Minnesota at this point. Um, but I'm not the playoff committee. The AP poll, which is uh, uh, the press, they have it uh, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama at number four, then Georgia, Oregon, five and six. Uh, Minnesota's moved up to seven. Utah at eight. Penn State fell to nine. Oklahoma's at 10. And then Florida's at 11. And then actually Baylor's at 12, so I gave you the top 12 because Baylor at 9-0 and uh, will be making some moves over the next little while, good or bad. If they could beat Oklahoma, stay undefeated, and get into that uh, uh, Big 12 championship game, then uh, look for them to jump quite a bit. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, you know we talk about playoffs and college football, and uh, I did hear an argument about a larger playoff system and a, an argument for an eight, 
16-team playoff system. And the more I think about it, the more I think it could be good. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. I'm, I'm sort of along the lines of the, I kind of want the six. But okay, that would involve bye weeks for the top two seeds, um, which is, again, you know, tough to do. I think eight is still probably fine. The thing with eight, eight gives you everybody plays. There's no bye weeks. So the bye weeks is probably uh, something you want to stay away from. But with eight teams making the playoffs, you got five conference champions that automatically go in. That's the power five. And then you have three spots for the next best three. So, you know, in the SEC, you have LSU, Bama, Georgia, Auburn, um, all in those conversations that would probably take one of those number, uh, those three at-large bids. Or uh, a Baylor who's 9-0, and you know, wins the Big 12. They're automatically in. Uh, Minnesota, who goes on this hot streak, or the, you know, in past years, the UCFs that are undefeated that, you know, are not in a Power Five conference. Uh, there's that discussion to get them into those other three, uh, three spots. If anybody ever brings up anything more than eight, then I think my, my football watching days are over. Well, I remember but. bringing it up. Just I didn't even mention how many teams. I just mentioned an expanded playoff at Kurtz. And I don't remember the exact quote, but I could paraphrase. <laughs> if you ever bring this up again, I'm going to punch you in the teeth. I think it was the exact <laughs> quote. And I said, oh, I, okay, sensitive topic. Uh, and then we tried to make an argument. Now, now suddenly, three weeks later, it's, you know, Pep, I think... I just heard a great argument this weekend about how eight teams could work. So we'll, we'll get into that some other time, but yeah. I'm, I'm happy that you're, I don't want to use the word open-minded because you're always open-minded, but that you're open to a suggestion at this point, something's changed over the last three weeks. And uh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's not something I'm proud of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I just, uh, and it's not, if you were to give me a vote today, to go to eight teams or to stay at four, I would put my vote on staying at four. Okay, fair enough. Fair you enough. know, but I see the rationale be to- behind the eight. I also see examples of teams that I strongly believe should be in a conference. I hate these independent teams, and I know that having a setup uh, where the conference champions automatically go in, then there's more incentive to be in a conference. Um, the eight still still plays with that question of, well, is Notre Dame, I use Notre Dame all the time, is Notre Dame one that's just going to be playing for one of those three at-large bids every year? Um, you know, and then you still have to rank those eight teams, those eight conferences, which conference is stronger? So there's more discussions in that sense to see who's going where, who plays what, um, which other conference. So I'm curious to those discussions, but if you were to give me a vote today, I'd still vote with the four. Fair enough. Anyway, I, that's my I college want, football wrap-up. I do want to mention, Brock, uh, your Florida Gators basketball team lost to Florida State. Florida's ranked 15th. It may dip now. Florida State was not ranked. Um, Florida was ranked 15th? 12th. Florida State is not ranked. Florida is ranked 15th. Um, okay, so, so they, they lost already to dropped. An unranked Florida State team who, uh, who might sneak up on people, actually. They've got a couple of young 
uh, some sophomore players who are. Uh, I, I just I, I don't I don't understand how Florida lost. To be honest with you, I'm trying to make up excuses, but Florida should have won that game. So their their 15 seed is going to going to dip a little bit further. But um, have no fear, Florida will still make the dance. And I like really in the uh, in college basketball, one loss is uh, not as big a deal as college football. My Hoyas no, are two so and zero, oh, but they've beaten a couple of nobodies. So. Uh, when they have to play Villanova and some of the ranked Big East teams, uh, we'll see what they're like. This just in, uh, the Globe and Mail is reporting that a betting site has listed Brian Burke as the odds-on favorite to replace Don Cherry. I heard that, too. I also saw Sean uh, Avery's tweet about him uh, doubling the ratings by just being on the show. Berkey? I, uh, no, Sean Avery. If Sean Avery Sean, got oh. on, he would double the ratings for uh, for Hockey Night in Canada. And I really okay. you'd be replacing Don Cherry with a younger Don Cherry. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Ron McLean will say, yeah, guys, I'm out of here. Thanks a lot. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Ray Ferraro's name came up, too. Who I, I, I really like Ray Ferraro. I find him very, very engaging. Kevin Bieksa is on that list. I feel like he's still playing, is he not? Uh, honestly, I'm Apparently not watching not. it anymore anyway. So uh it's just not the same you're just getting analysts to go on and talk about it that's fine don't call it coach's corner just have a a round table like you said do something to that effect but it's not coach's corner anymore it's not don and ron um so move on it's a it's a different segment ray ferrero is the top top candidate as far as i'm concerned he's uh he's a great hockey analyst i really like and he's very engaging i i if Berkey goes on, put me to sleep. I don't even. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Brian Burke because what he did with the Leafs was just an atro- uh, like a, atrocious, more truculence. Yeah, how how did that work out for you? Signing uh, uh, Paul O'Neill and Eric Lindros and a bunch of a bunch of castoffs. That was awful. Uh, he really did. He hurt the Leafs. Uh, would you agree? Uh, yeah, the the Leafs are still trying to recover from it. Yeah, I'm, Ken Hitchcock, another name that came up. Uh, he'd be interesting. I, I don't really. He hasn't really spoken a whole lot. Is this for hockey in Canada, or is this for the Spangler Cup coaches? <laughs> no, this is hockey in Canada. <laughs> I think you look at the wrong list. Anywho. Shout out to Colgate. We went down this weekend. The men's football team got their first win at home this season. So a little good luck charm, I guess, from us. Uh, the hockey team beat Yale. And the we saw the women's volleyball team, who are phenomenal, win twice while we were there. And now <laughs> my daughter, you, Yale. now my daughter wants to go to uh, to Colgate. So time to uh, save up. You think hockey's expensive? Wait till they try and go there. <laughs> All right, Pep. I think that is uh, that's it for us. All right. Thanks a lot, and thanks again for our listeners putting up with our audio issues. Uh, I think we kind of that was pretty good towards the end there, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get better. That's right. This is a Hockey Night in Canada theme song. Is this the old one? I think so. Oh, there's no trumpet in the new one. Yeah, this is old. Yeah, this is very old. I like it. I miss it. Yeah. All right. That is it for us. Until next time, we'll uh, keep working on the audio issues. But that was a lot better the second half. Yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. And good night.